The Charlotte Hornets lose a close game against the Miami Heat. They do so shorthanded. What can we realistically take away from this game? We discuss it today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast, And that includes YouTube. There's Doug Branson. You can find him on everyhornetsboxscore.com with all sorts of write-ups. You can also see him on YouTube with the background. It uh, has to be pretty close to complete, right, Doug? I mean, yeah, what do you else think? You do? Yeah, yeah it looks great. I've uh, complete well, yeah, pretty close. I've got a few places on the wall to cover up, but I've got bobbleheads up. I've got the uh, Baron Davis and Mashburn jersey up. Uh, you can't see it, but I've got the um, yeah. There you go. If I turn now, you can see the uh, sort of section for misfit bobbleheads. I've got a Lance Stevenson there. I got a Dwight Howard. Got all kinds of. Do you have a Frank Kaminsky Stormtrooper bobblehead in there somewhere? I do. Yeah, he's back there. It's t- <laughs> okay. it's gonna be tough to see. You're gonna have to zoom in on YouTube if you want to see that. Uh, but yeah, okay. I really, um, I really like the new setup. It's great. No, it it does look very good. Plus, we love Shea Serrano. Watched our podcast one time poster that you hung up right above the left side of your head Ooh. as you're watching this, and so really cool to see all of that. And uh, yeah, I like it. Now, I what I apologize for is the fish tank promise. I mean, it wasn't even a promise. It was something I thought might happen because of the construction going on in the house. And then people start, Rachel, shout out to Rachel listening to the pod. It came up with probably the best list of puns that we've ever had from a single listener, Doug. Ick Batum, Ick is a parasite that will infiltrate tanks. Ick Batum, <laughs> I mean, it's freaking brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So, Batum infiltrated our salary cap for two You long. know, I mean, there are too many parallels to make. So, uh, no, nah, I apologize, Nick. Great stuff there. Maybe the fish tank makes an appearance. Maybe it doesn't. But at least Doug's background is looking great. I'm Walker Mayo. You can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. So I didn't get to watch this game live. I was broadcasting the Queens men's basketball game. The home opener against High Point. Great game. Came down to the wire. They won 74-72. But that's not why you came here. I was checking my phone live for Hornets updates. I was going to spoil it and then go back and watch it later. And the Hornets were tied, I think. It was somewhere in the second quarter. Maybe they were even up a few times. And so I felt like, okay, maybe we can squeak this one out, turn on the broadcast on WFNZ. Sam Farber informs me that they're fouling. They fell down six, and they were not going to be able to take care of this one. Doug, eyes on it live. What were you making of this game as it was unfolding? Yeah, it was exciting to watch them in the first quarter. A shorthanded team, uh, only 10 players available. Asked after the game if uh, Steve Clifford had to give them any kind of rah-rah speech. He basically said no. <laughs> that everyone looked around and said, oh, hey, there's only 10 of us left. I guess we got we got to really turn up the heat on this one, if you will. And uh, so that was exciting. I mean, really, it came down to Hornets finally decided to hit some three-point shots. And it was mostly LaMelo and PJ. I think they took the first, I want to say, like eight. Eight to ten attempts were all PJ and Lamelo, and they were hitting three-point shots. And 
You know, that's been the big that's been the big story this year. Mm-hmm. They haven't taken or made a lot of three-point shots and it's made it difficult to build leads. It's made it difficult to come back in games. And you even had a few unexpected players making three-point shots like Bryce McGowan's. But it was short-lived because they were short-handed because they didn't have a lot of the talented players that they depend on to kind of carry them through the different quarters and they were having to reach deep in the bag uh, to, you know, fill out the rotation and so in the second quarter uh, PJ uh, disappeared. Lamelo, uh, you know, floundered a little bit, and uh, the the Heat are the Heat. I mean, they've got a they've got a lot of talented players, and they're a tough team. And uh, they eventually made their way back into the game, and the Hornets didn't have enough firepower at the end to kind of finish a comeback. The bench, the rotation, the lack of depth—it's hurting this team when they're at full strength, and it's certainly hurting them when they're not at full strength. I mean, this is the rotation right now, and this is the group that got off the bench and actually played. I thought maybe Leaky Black would see more minutes, but he only got three. So Nick Richards played 25, played more than Mark Williams, actually played in the fourth quarter. Steve Clifford said Nick Richards was helping our team play better than when Mark Williams was out there. So Nick Richards gets 25. Ish Smith gets 19. Bryce McGowan's gets 29, almost 30 minutes of action. And Nick Smith Jr., he makes his meaningful uh, debut. He actually gets 15 minutes in this contest. And if you listen to Steve Clifford after the game said Nick Smith Jr. played better than the guys that were out there. I mean, he's learning first half. It was a lot for him that they do a lot of stuff that he wasn't ready for. And then in the second half, he seemed ready and he played better than the other vets, maybe the other players that you would normally put in your rotation. So Nick Smith Jr. should take those comments and run with them. Like that is basically Steve Clifford saying he played like (laughs) Michael Jordan. I mean, it's tough. But with the, the fact that you get in and you impress Steve Clifford enough to continue to warrant those minutes over some of the other guys. I mean, Doug, not that he's the main story, but he took advantage of an opportunity, I think, last night. And I know fans have to be happy because I know they've wanted to see him quite a bit. Yeah, you say he should take the comments and run. That's all he does when he's out there. He's running around. He's a little scamp. He's a little rascal when he's out there. And he, he was disruptive. He was. He was disruptive at times. Uh, defensively, uh, because uh, he he just has an intensity that is noticeable. It pops off the screen. But I think it's <laughs> there's there's two sides of that comment, right? It's noticeable because uh, not a uh, not a lot of the Hornets possess that same kind of intensity on on the defensive end of the floor, and so you see it with Nick Smith Jr. But look, I mean, you know, he took a lot of attempts in that last game when he got in and sort of garbage time minutes for the Knicks. And this one, I thought he did a better job of sort of like. Figuring out, all right, am I gonna, you know, actually find a good shot here? Or do I need to pass it? I thought he was making decent passes both in the next game and this game. I saw a few just sort of basic NBA passes that I haven't seen him been able to make so far. He's making them, so that's what you want to see out of Nick Smith Jr. You want to see these small opportunities uh, to play with the big squad. You know, if if they get healthy, you know, I still think that Nick Smith Jr. eventually makes his way down to Greensboro to get some meaningful minutes there. Uh, but this is what you want to see. You want to see improvement throughout the season. You want to see a different Nick Smith Jr. from game one or summer league to when, you know, he's eventually playing uh, meaningless minutes if the Hornets don't find themselves in playoff contention. You want to see a different version of Nick Smith Jr. And I think you're starting to see glimpses of it already. All right, let's go back to the, the two players that really kept them in this game before we move on and go into the weeds a little more. Also talk about the Mark Williams thing, not playing fourth quarter, even a potential player the Hornets could pursue on the trade market. But PJ and LaMelo, if we, I think a couple things on each guy, starting with PJ, 
this was the first game that PJ Washington had been thrust into a role like he played last year because of the injuries. Now they're real shorthanded in this game. They're real shorthanded everywhere last season, right? Gordon Hayward's not playing. Terry doesn't play at times, although he played still a decent amount. And LaMelo is not available. They relied a lot on PJ then. They had to rely on him a lot here. You mentioned the fourth quarter, him not having a shot, but man, he started what five of five from the three point line. So he kept the minute. That was a, a offensive responsibility where you can feel okay with him in spots. You do not want this long-term because even here, Doug, you couldn't get the victory because he wasn't hitting at that level in the fourth. I, what, what do you want? Right? 32 points. It's, it's going to be tough, but it didn't happen for him because they just didn't have enough firepower to go to. That's one thing on PJ. The other thing on LaMelo, and I'll let you speak to this more because you wrote about it on HornetsBoxScore.com. It, you thought this was a polarizing performance, and I can see why. So the three-point shot, it's fallen for LaMelo now. There are things that he's doing that when we discuss, oh, he looks like the old LaMelo, and we mean it in a positive way, there are also some negative comments to that. The old LaMelo fouls a lot, and LaMelo mm-hmm. here is starting to foul a lot again. I mean, he had five personal fouls, Doug. So he had five against Miami. He had five against Washington Friday. He had six. He fouled out against Dallas. He had five against the Pacers, too. And that's only going back to November 4th. And so if you go back to the beginning of the season, the first two games, okay, only three, only one. All right, he's learning. Then he fouls out against Brooklyn. So the fouls are still here for LaMelo. Not that it's going to affect his minutes. It can't. Like, you just don't have that response. You don't have that ability to be like, all right, well, let's <laughs> let's throw Ish out there. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. No, L- LaMelo is playing with, with four fouls, even if it happens in the second quarter. Um, and then the turnovers in this game weren't great. We're eight turnovers, but still a lot of weight on his shoulders. Talk about the polarizing performance of LaMelo, Doug. Well, I think it was LaMelo and PJ. Both had polarizing performances. I thought it was an, one of the mo- more impressive offensive nights I've seen from PJ since like early to mid last season when he was the featured player of the offense due to injuries. He kind of retook that mantle, 52% shooting, made six threes. That looked like the old PJ, but he turned the ball over and couldn't hit shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, LaMelo, yeah, I mean, some of these turnovers were brutal where he's just trying to take guys off the dribble and he spins into a double team. Like you have to understand that you're playing the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat, they're going to throw zone at you. They're they're going to sw- they're going to switch defenses mid possession. They're going to throw the press at you. And they, boy, I mean, through like the last three quarters, it was full court press. It felt like, and there were times where both PJ and uh, Lamelo just dribbled into double teams in that press and, and didn't pass the ball. And those were possessions that Miami were used to stave off that final run by the horn to build a lead in the middle of the game and then to stave off that final run. And so I, I call it polarizing because you look at it and you go, man, I mean, they got them into this game to begin with. And then, you know, PJ shooting in the third kept them in the game. But then, I mean, honestly, they were all they had. And so in the fourth quarter, you know, they went back to him and it looked like maybe legs, maybe frustration. You know, this LaMelo fouling situation, I think, is all rooted in the fact that he's not getting a great whistle on the other end. Clifford's upset about it. He got a tech. LaMelo's upset about it. He's working on some techs, too. But, I mean, in the middle of that fourth quarter, you know, I was writing in, in uh, Hornets box score at 950. Good God, what is LaMelo doing here on defense? 
Uh, after timeout, LaMelo turns it over, full court press. LaMelo then misses a deep contested pull-up three. That goes to shot selection. LaMelo, frustration foul. Um, but then after that, he throws it way up to Richardson for an alley-oop, um, you know, and uh, has another uh, deep three. Um, so, you know, it, it's sort of an up-and-down kind of thing, and you – you look at it and you go, how much are you going to punish these guys for that when the rest of the roster looks like it does right now? Yeah, and, and LaMelo in the third didn't take too many shots. He only took three, and P.J. took eight in each of the last two quarters. How about eight field goals for P.J. in the third quarter and eight yeah. field goals from P.J. in the fourth? Now, he only Good missed one more in the fourth. It was another three-point shot that he missed. He was one of three in the fourth. He was one of two in the third. But PJ and LaMelo both weren't three of eight. And so like when when you're not hitting at an above 50% average and you can't go to Terry, you can't draw anything for Gordon, Brandon Miller isn't going to provide any offense off the bench. And we know how much they think Miles Bridges is an answer to some of that. That's four guys, Doug. I mean, think think about how much you're missing there, especially if we include Miles Bridges, who is one of the three most talented players on this roster when he's when he's on. Miles, Brandon, Gordon, Terry, that is that is what? All but two pieces of their talent. I mean, you're, yeah. it's it's a lot that they're missing. So, right. But, but, awesome. I, I, right. you wish they, they, but Steve Clifford didn't give them any excuses, though, in that post. Well, and I, and I, you know, I, I kind of struggle too as well because look, the bottom line is LaMelo had a chance to, to carry the team and get a win in that game. And he was, he was trying to take Jimmy Butler off the dribble and Butler put him in the crowd. And it was just easy. And and before that, it, it, same thing. Fourth quarter, 646, terrible drive, turnaround mid-range shot at the free throw line by LaMelo. Like, you look at those possessions and you go, why does why is that happening? Why why is he trying to take guys off the dribble like that and, and end up in a free throw mid-range shot turnaround that goes nowhere? Um, it's got to be better shot selection than that, and it lost the game. That was a tough one, too, because I know a lot of people that hate heat, that, that hate the heat. They're annoying. So that, that, They're one, annoying. that one's frustrating. <laughs> um, the fan base, I know they were chanting at the end. Maybe we can get to that in just a moment. So let's also go to a player that the Hornets could pursue on the trade market in order to help the lack of depth that we're talking about, or really just help the star power on this team. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Should the Hornets pursue zach levine yes that's the first take topic baby yep that's what we got for you coming up next this episode is brought to you by ebay motors our partners at ebay motors have teamed up with locked on fantasy basketball host josh lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster so let's see who josh has picked out for this week's ebay guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week all right a couple of guys here a lot of young ones how about Bilal kulabali wizard rotations continue to be all over the place but Bilal has played 30 plus minutes in the last two games he beat He's up on the hornets future massive defensive option uh, watching him live his arms go for days you can see it on tv too but Koulibaly is an impressive defender uh, really locked up a couple guys against the hornets you're right about that kyle lowry how about a blast from the past another couple young guys too keontae george skylar mays so those are some of the locked on fantasy picks ebay guaranteed fit sponsored locked on fantasy basketball guaranteed picks so if you have a personal experience 
about buying a part from your car and it's better than eBay Motors, then um, we highly doubt it. I would have to imagine eBay Motors is the best opportunity for you to go buy a car. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. More Locked On Hornets coming up. Doug, I think we got our first bad sign from the Chicago Bulls uh, after the first game when (laughs) there was a players-only meeting. And since then... All of the signs pointing to that foundation not winning in the postseason have reared its head early. Zach Lowe was on the jump, or not the jump. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I forget what that show's called now. Like, I I watch it. It's like NBA Today. Is that what it is? All right. NBA Today. Zach Lowe was on that show yesterday <laughs> discussing how that foundation, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, they have a negative point differential when they're on the court, and it's been true for the last three years. So Zach Levine is a name we've thrown out. I think we talked about DeMar DeRozan, Doug, at the beginning of the season or in the offseason when we had the number two pick and we had not made that selection yet. Rod asked you about pursuing DeMar DeRozan even after the first three, four games from Brandon Miller. Is there a different bull that the Charlotte Hornets should be going after in Zach Levine? I was afraid that they were going to go after DeMar DeRozan, although now looking at this roster and how many two-point shots they take, he would fit right in. Like he wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to figure mm-hmm. out where DeMar DeRozan fits within this offensive scheme. The offensive scheme is DeMar DeRozan right now. Uh, but no, all eyes are on Zach Levine right now. Sham Sharania tweeting uh, yesterday that NBA teams are probing the availability of the Bulls' two-time All-Star, and there is increased openness from both sides about exploring a trade. So look, a lot of teams, I think, are going to be inquiring about Zach Levine. And honestly, I think the Hornets would be crazy not to inquire about what it would take uh, because this roster, as it's currently constructed, is devoid of the level of talent necessary to make the postseason. And so if their desire is to make the postseason, you know, within the next couple of seasons, having a guy with the talent level of Zach Levine, yes, he struggled to begin this year, but I think you can just point, just wave your hands at the Bulls and go, yeah, I understand that. But if you look at the past couple of seasons before he signed this massive contract, points per shot attempt, 121.9, 122.4, that's all in the 80, 85th percentile in, you know, among NBA wings, the Hornets still need wing talent. I mean, you know, I think Brandon Miller is, you know, you, you can't have enough of these big type of wings. And and I think it would be great to have both of those players involved in the offense at this point. Um, Great three point shooter would help there. Yeah. I just don't, I think it would be crazy for the Hornets not to get involved in this conversation. Well, okay. Yeah. But like, that's, that's a, that's an old radio vet move right there. They're crazy not to get involved. But then when we talk about what to give up and then would it be like, of course you inquire, because if you can get them for something less than a hundred cents on the dollar, then that might be worth it. But when you're talking about what it would actually take to give up, then it gets a little dicey in my opinion. It's a lot of first round picks. It's a lot of first round picks. I mean, it's going to be probably Rudy Gobert level first round pick giving up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's too much for me. You know, I mean, especially Rudy Gobert level. But I get inquiring about him. Like the guy offensively is very very good and just a legit shooter. It's, even if you expect the shooting percentages to go up for some of these players once they come back, Zach Levine is going to be. I mean, is he going to be the best shooter when he's on the squad? I mean, he's been that good the last few seasons. So, of course, you inquire about that. 42% three years ago, 39, 38, rough start this year. But, you know, if the numbers are going to go back to where they were, he'll be phenomenal once again. Now, he's a net negative defensively. I that That's the problem, right? If, if you have a problem with Terry Rozier yeah. and LaMelo Ball as your defensive backcourt, Levine does not fix that. Levine yeah. would be very good at the catch and shoot with LaMelo dribble and drive kick out. And you also have some athleticism offensively. You know, he's a vet, but he's not old, right? He's going to be 29, I guess, somewhat soon. So those are all things to consider. Does Zach Levine get you to the postseason? You you take a shot. It, it fits the do something moniker where you you get rid of a couple of first round picks I, I think for me, Doug, it ultimately what it would take to go get him, I would say no to this. Um, but but Zach Levine, it, it'd be exciting to have him on the squad. It's one of those like it's not. Oh, my God, I would love to get this guy. That's not how I feel. But it would definitely be exciting. And certainly offensively, it's all about does Steve Clifford think about and does management who even knows if they're going to be here. Right. There's a good chance that they're not. But does the foundation of the Charlotte Hornets, whoever is making the decision, do they view it worth it to take a step back defensively, pay this guy, you know, $40 million annually, 48 by the time his contract is up? And does that take them to the promised land? I, if, if it wasn't working so much for the Bulls and they had a pretty good player at every level, different team structure here. But this is one where it's tough for me to say, OK, yeah, here are two, three. Here are three first round picks before we even get to Rudy Gobert level. And we'll take Zach Levine. Well, look, they can't take a step back defensively. They are literally last in the league <laughs> in points per possession allowed at 121.9. Dead last. So there's no there's no step back. Their step back would but be But they wouldn't take the- a step forward. They wouldn't take a step <laughs> forward with this move. So, I mean, yes, getting Zach Levine would represent just like going all in on the yeah. offensive side of the floor where they've been decent. I mean, cleaning the glass right now has them as the – as a top 10 offense, strangely enough, not winning ball games because they can't defend anyone, uh, but they've got them in terms of point, points per possession as a top 10 offense in the league. So you're really just sort of going for that uh, similar model that they had two years ago when they made the playoffs. I mean, under Borrego, uh, that team was sixth in points per possession and 20th in defense. So it's like, you know... Uh, does 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 Levine make you any worse defensively? Probably not. Does he make you any better? Maybe not. Can Clifford figure that out? Who knows? Um, you know, at this point, I, I it's tough, man, because I I do take your point about the defensive end of the floor. And it makes me really upset that the Hornets, as an organization, have not invested better in and using all the tools available to them to go out and find role players that that could be defensive helpers and instead rely on developing young talent, which just takes a long time. And when you're on that kind of timeline, it makes doing these moves to get Zach Levine a little bit tougher when you don't have those role players already in place. There are going to be other teams that are going to say, yeah, Zach Levine will be a step back defensively at that position, but we have other guys around that we can kind of pair around them. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Hornets roster and you go, really, like, 
what are they going to do? They signed Frank Nielakina for God's sakes in the offseason as like defensive help. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. Well, and and you're saying they won't like, and I and I get your point, right? You you're you're right. You <laughs> quite literally can't take a step back. It is impossible. You can't be the 36. You can't argue that point. It's fact. It's math. It's numbers. <laughs> no, that is true. No, you, your point is correct. But it could get worse. That gap between 32 and 31 could get worse because think about it. We're also needing to match salaries here, and Gordon Hayward is going to be the guy that you try to match salaries, and so. Gordon Hayward's been good defensively when he's out there, when he's on the floor, he's been good. So if you get rid of him to match that salary and then Zach Levine comes back, you, you pay more money to a guy that offensively is better. I mean, he's been averaging close to 25 a game the last few seasons. So yeah, it would be fun at the same time. I think deep down in my soul, Doug, I would know. I don't think this does what I want it to. I don't think so. At least not for the long term. So that's how I would view it. But if not, you know, if not now, if you're not, if you're going to pass on or or fail to acquire star after star, I think a, f- a fan who's deciding whether to renew their season tickets or just buy tickets to a random game on a Wednesday has to ask themselves, you know, and ask these new owners, if not now, when? Like, what's the plan? What are you, what are you trying to do here? Because what I'm watching on the floor night in and night out doesn't seem to be it. And I don't even get the vibe from the coach that this is like that he's all that satisfied with what he's got available to him. And I, and I don't just mean the shorthandedness of the Hornets once again bitten by the injury bug. I mean, my god, you know, the Horn the Charlotte Hornets are the choose your own adventure novel except every choice leads to half the team getting eaten by a squid. I mean, I don't I don't know what what Not kind fun. of karmaic punishment is being unleashed on the Charlotte Hornets. I've got a few ideas why if there were karmaic punishment, I've got a few ideas why it would be unleashed on the Charlotte well, Hornets. What are they? <laughs> uh, we'll get into it tomorrow, I'm sure. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's difficult to watch. It's difficult to deal with as a fan. And then when these kind of things come up and then you got guys like us trying to get into the facts about, well, Zach Levine hurts you here, he helps you here. It's like I could just see a fan going, just go get talent. This team is – how can you? How can beggars be this choosy? Just go get the talent. I'm pretty choosy, too. I'm not going to lie. My ego won't die. All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Doug, you seem defeated in that segment right there. Like, that that seemed like it hurt you. It's difficult. <laughs> I, I just want to go to Vegas. I want to go – I want this team to go to Vegas, and they took a step back. Not totally out of it. Yeah. You know, Bucks, yeah, Hornets. Yeah, this one has been depressing. But this next segment, well, maybe it's depressing, depending on how you view it. Mark Williams did not play in the fourth quarter. Nick Richards did find out what the reasoning was in just a moment, but not before we talk about Ibotta. Big holidays mean big family get-togethers, but you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With Ibotta, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free. That's why this episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Starting Having already started November 1st for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Other apps give you the points that don't really amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or even gift cards. Download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. 
Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. More Locked On Hornets. One more second. Doug, in this industry, we often talk about how like half the battle is just being in a good mood, like trying to <laughs> find the spirit somewhere, trying to, you know, it just, it helps you, right? Whether you're, you're in the public eye, on YouTube, yeah. on the radio, and while you have been doing a phenomenal job, you've been coming with all the important nuggets. I can just tell because mm. we've been doing this pod for a while. The Hornets have really, sometimes they really get you. Some losses hurt more than others. It feels like this is a loss that hurts more than others against the Miami heat. I think a lot of Hornets fans understand that. Um, but it feels like this one's getting you. How are you doing with your Hornets depression? Well, I think when you're three and seven and last in the league in defense and your coach is oscillating between, um, you know, a little mad and, and really mad at the team overall, you know, I think it, there is a nuggets to smiles ratio uh, that that can't really be countered. Like the more the the deeper I look into the game, the more I look at the details, the the sadder I get. Um, but you know that's and and that's I think that explains Clifford's mood because he's super looking into the details of this and going, this isn't a playoff team, <laughs> this isn't a play in team. What am I dealing with here? But that's not the most depressing thing from last night. I've got the most depressing thing from last night. You ready for this? Yeah. So. I'm ready. The Miami Heat hit buzzer beaters to end the second quarter and the third quarter. Uh, I think Butler's was in the third quarter, maybe Highsmith in the second quarter. And so even if the Hornets had been able to, to get the deficit from four to tie the game, I'm pretty confident that Butler was going to hit a game-winning shot. And the reason I'm confident is because our <laughs> friend from WCNC, Nick Carboni, was in the building, and he tweeted this. I'd have to check but I think I've seen the Hornets opponent hit a wild three-point shot to end a half at about 75% of the games I've covered at Spectrum Center, L-O-L. Well, listen, Nick, I'm not L-O-L-ing, sir. You are you are a jinx. Uh, you are a friend, but you are a jinx. And mm-hmm. I need you to be escorted out of the building next time you go to Spectrum Center so that we can actually uh, get in one of these games and stay in it. So a couple of things, too. One, Jimmy Butler... I don't know if it's talked about as much, but a notorious Hornets killer. And he was tired last night. He was hands on his knees. He was huffing and puffing, and he found it, man. And that's, you know, when I talk, Zach Levine is not Jimmy Butler, but but they are the same in that they are game-changing kinds of talents. They are... I can lift an entire team on the. I mean, Zach Levine dropped fifty on us one time, hit so many three pointers. The Hornets absolutely couldn't come back. Oh yes, you know. I mean, these are the kinds of guys that win ball games and they win tough games. That's what I'm saying. Can I? uh, I. It's actually worse than I remembered. Okay. Um, Yeah, I feel like I'm. I I know Lord of the Rings well enough, but I feel like Doug. You are Gollum with the ring, except the ring is the nugget. And the more you hold on to the information nugget, <laughs> the worse your mood is. And you start to go crazy and you hunch My over and you lose gracious. your hair. <laughs> My effective except field goal percentage. Mm, it's so bad. Yeah. My Here, full court press. I knew as, as soon as I said Gollum, that might get you in a better mood, uh, even though it's hurting precious. you deep down inside. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler has not shot anything less 
than 71% from the field in his last four outings against the Charlotte Hornets. (laughs) 71%. (laughs) And he scored 20 points in every single one of those games. Okay. The last time he did so was when he shot 58% and he went for 35. That was November 10th of last year. So he has absolutely destroyed us. Not to mention anytime I think of the Hornets and Jimmy Butler, you have to go back to the Kimba Walker 60 point game where Jimmy Butler said, Nope, you cannot cap this off with the cherry on top. I'm going to win this game by hitting a game winning three, but at least you can have your moral victory peasants with your 60 point performance. We're going to get the real dub. Okay. All of that, I take all of that in. I will say in Jimmy Butler's defense, at least when he comes to Charlotte to destroy them, at least he takes in some of the local shops. I saw this on the Axios Charlotte newsletter. Yes, that's true. Uh, he, he was at a coffee shop, a local coffee shop, and then he he dined at uh, Alexander Michael's, one of my absolute favorite places to eat um, in Charlotte. They famously... Uh, denied Guy Fieri and the Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dive show. They denied them, said, no, we don't want you here. Um, so I, I love that, just rebelling against uh, the thing that all of those little local haunts want to get involved in. Uh, but they were also in my uh, – I, I was a fourth wardian, and they're in fourth ward. And so he took mm-hmm. in dinner at uh, Alexander Michael's. And so I love that. Look, if you're going to come to the city and destroy us, at least stop into some of the local hangs and contribute to the local economy. I appreciate that. That's true. All right, let's get to the last bullet point. Not folk. I, I've been going over Jimmy Butler stats against the Hornets. I actually have about three more I could roll with that are astonishing, but we won't do it anymore. I've already been hurt too much My by Jimmy. Jimmy Butler stats. They do make me go crazy. Mark Williams, Doug, he did not play the entire fourth quarter. Nick Richards mm-hmm. comes in and plays 25 minutes total. Now, the, the minutes discrepancy, actually not all that different. Uh, Mark Williams, 23, Nick, 25. Mark has played less than that at times this season, but I think what made it so visible was that it happened in closing time. So usually Mark Williams is a better option than Nick Richards. And so you just go back to Mark in the fourth quarter and it's not as visible here. It was. And Steve Clifford addressed it after the game. He said, we were basically, he said we were playing better. And you're I got not the full, I got Nick the full Richards quote. Out. You want the full quote? Let's hear he it. said, we just played a lot better when he was out there. Our, he's talking about Nick Richards here. He said, we just played a lot better when he was out there. Our defense was better. Our pick and roll coverage was a lot better. And our rim protection was better. Unquote. Emphasis mine. Yeah. So what do you make of that comment with Mark? Well, so here's the thing, right? Before I actually, I want to take the floor before you do, because Go yesterday. Ahead. That's your guy. David, Mark Williams is your guy. So please take the floor. Well, well, look, and this is what makes me happy. And when I mean happy, I mean, drives me insane. What, what, what drives me insane is that you tweet something happy about a guy in a first game against the Hawks where he legitimately mm-hmm. plays well, but I, I feel like with your golemness, with whatever you have in your possession, you will not allow me to have some kind of celebratory, some kind of joy with what I saw from Mark Williams in the first game. Because here's the thing about Mark. I don't deny that the lack of physicality is a problem in in quite a few games like against Atlanta. I thought he showed up. There were times Clint Capella got his win, but I thought he really showed up against the wizards in that 20 rebound game. I think we have different opinions on that. I think he battled against Gafford in the first game. I think they did allow him to like do whatever he wanted because they just didn't care. And they were going to shoot three pointers with Danilo Gallinari. Mark Williams has not been consistent this year. 
And that's something that I took for granted this offseason. Like I, I took for I, what I thought was going to happen was, okay, this is someone that's crazy smart. He's huge. He's athletic. The guy can't fail. And I just expect him to continue to improve and improve and improve and improve and improve. And we're not going to have any setbacks. And that was not the right mindset because he's had he's had setbacks this year. He's also given us some awesome performances. He also gives you the avenue to explore something that the Hornets have never been able to explore before, which is actual legitimate rim protection. But you're right, Doug. Like there are there are some things that he needs to clean up in order for Steve Clifford to feel good about him consistently. It, the 23 minutes, while it might seem like a shock because he didn't play the fourth quarter in this one, he's had times where he's. I mean, that's that's about what he'll play. Like that's not crazy off the mark of his average per game. It was just so visible because it was closing time, and Clifford thought he was seeing a, a good enough thing with Nick Richards out there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's shocking for Steve Clifford to say into a microphone that the team's rim protection was better with Nick Richards on the floor and not Mark Williams, the guy that we've seen uh, block three-point mm-hmm. shots and and generally uh, be be a force down low at times. But his block percentage is way down. Um, it was 2.7% in the few games, 17 games uh, that he started last year. Now it's down to 1.4%. And, I mean, you saw it against – last couple of games against the Knicks and before that as well where guys are figuring out ways to shoot over Mark Williams you know they don't get all the way to the paint and that can be an asset to a defense to not let them get all the way to the rim but Mark Williams is coming out for some of these blocks and not being successful and then it puts the defense in scramble mode and look Mm -hmm. when the Hornets get put into one single rotation defensively it's almost an automatic dunk I mean, you saw that over and over against Miami. If they get, if they make one mistake in pick and roll, if uh, Mark Williams drops when he's not supposed to drop, or he drops too far and and can't recover, like it's just it's just a killer. And maybe that's unfair to Mark. I don't know. Uh, but this team cannot rotate on defense. That's not all Mark's fault. Uh, but it, but it typically will start at the center position. You know, those those failures typically start with that guard. Uh, you know, that first pick and roll that happens mid-high with the guard in the center. And so, you know, that I guess Clifford just liked what he saw out of Richards, and Richards got the minutes. But it's not – look, it's not great, man. I mean, you know, this was – Mark Williams was supposed to be the guy that fixed the defense, and the defense is last in the league, and Mark's struggling. Yeah, Mark Mark, what has been struggling a couple of these games. And the thing about Mark, though, is like I, I hope – I mean, you can see him get back to it. And that's the thing where the guy is still so young. It's still essentially his rookie season if you're just talking about volumes of games. But the offseason doesn't really make him a rookie. I'm not trying to say that. But he does not have a lot of NBA games under his belt. We'll see what happens with a full-strength type of roster where you have smarter basketball players out there rather than all the young ones that you put out in this particular game. Nick Richards was playing better, and sometimes he has that capability. I don't expect it for the long term. I tell you that. Like, I don't expect this to be a trend. Steve Clifford even told you Mark Williams is a top five player on this roster. Like, he flat out said that. And I, I imagine Clifford is going to try to make it work. And he did so against Washington when you did have the second game after he got killed because they went five out and he did have 20 rebounds and there was a better battle. But yeah, it was bad against the Heat. And what's unfortunate is that he played well against the Heat last year. It's one of his shining moments. So, you know, didn't happen this go around. The, the Heat got the better one on him. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. 
Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Make sure you go check out Doug's Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and then you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to gear up for another in-season tournament game at the Spectrum Center against the Milwaukee Bucks. My Nuggets. 